This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Back of the Nest. Match Review Podcast. www.backofthenest.com Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Review Pods. I'm your host Mike, in for Chris Hamblin this week and I'll be joined by a panel of exceptionally happy Palace fans as we look back at a fine three points away at the Taxpayers Stadium. We'll be back to discuss Jordan Ayew's knighthood right after this. Reviews, predictions, comments and rants. Send us your voice clips on WhatsApp 0203 575 1266. So, yeah, hopefully we're going to provide you with a jubilant pod uh, this episode. Uh, We've had a few comments in the past weeks about us being miserable, um, bringing up the bad points. Don't think there's going to be much chance of that happening uh, this time around. Um, A lot of us predicted either a loss or um, a point, so we're all happy, happy with the three points all over the moon. Uh, let me ask my panel about how they were feeling yesterday and how they were feeling this morning after their hangovers. And who best to start with than Chris C when we're talking about hangovers? How you doing? Uh, uh, yeah, not not too bad, Mike. It, it was a special day. Um, had a lot of fun, obviously. Um, met a West Ham fan on the way uh, who was optimistic on the way there and decided not to meet us for a beer on the way back, unfortunately. Um, but I, I, I had the pleasure of meeting a listener called Ben. Hello, Ben, who, um, after about 75 minutes, turned to me shyly and said, are you from back of the nest? <laughs> he said, I've been wondering whether oh, to nice. ask that for so long. And I'm, I was a bit nervous that I'd look like a dickhead if you weren't. Um, but yeah, no, that, that was nice. Fame at last. Um, and also on the DLR on the way back, I met Jim, uh, the author of the Jeffrey Schlupp song. Um, so yeah, it was, you know, even before the game, it was just fantastic and, you know, special, special scenes, obviously, which we'll discuss. Could Jim come up with a better Jordan IU song? Could you ask him that place? Cause I, I think the recycled, uh, James MacArthur song for Jordan IU is poor. I think he deserves more. 
Yeah, well, I'm sure that the ultras are listening to that as well. So maybe uh, rivaling Jim in his uh, penmanship, but I'll have a word with Jim when I see him at the Porsons in the next week or two. Good. Uh, <clears throat> right. And uh, myself, um, I, I think everyone makes that mistake just, just once in a while where they rely on someone else to get tickets um, and then you leave it too long. Um, and then you end up not having a ticket. So I didn't actually go, uh, and I was pretty gutted. Um, so let me go to Patrick, who obviously didn't go because he's the other side of the Atlantic. Um, you probably knew you weren't going uh, slightly earlier than I, I did. How was it watching it on the box? Uh, afternoon game for you, I guess, which is rare. Yeah, early afternoon game. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome back to me. been a while since I've been on. It's nice to be back. Um, it, was, it, was, uh, it was, you know, typical Palace nerve-wracking. I mean, it was... Uh, Great to get the win against them. I absolutely hate playing and losing to West Ham. So it was nice to get the victory. I, I thought the team did really well. And um, again, it's it's been a quite, I, I'm not going to lie, I've been very critical of, of things this season, but I am uh, quietly very, very happy. Well, actually, not that quietly. Very, very happy at how things are going so far. So again, great win yesterday. I enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's been a fair while since we've done a pod together as well. Um, so let's also say hello to uh, a man who's recovered from uh, the kind of flu that you generally get when you start in university campus. How you doing, DR? Yeah, I'm better. Um, you're probably going to hear me cough a couple of times. Hopefully I'll put myself on mute before that happens. But Good. yeah, Professionalism. It was, uh, it was, <laughs> exactly. It was a, it was an interesting week and Palace topped it up really with that victory because you said that most people were predicting draws and defeats, but Oddly enough, I went for a two-one victory when I was on Love Sports, so I don't know. I might have to lie a bit more because I was I was actually lying. I didn't mean it to be two-one, but I just went with it. Maybe I have to go with more of the flow rather than my actual head. Well, I'd rather listen to you than my own suggestions for bets. Uh, I thought I'd win the money back that I lost this weekend on all the other games by uh, backing United to beat Newcastle, uh, and went double or quits and. Those monkeys messed me over again, didn't they? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, um, uh, all that all that's done is put Everton in the bottom three, so you know, silver linings and all that. Um, we're not going to start with uh, a game discussion straight away. Uh, we're going to we're going to do we're going to take a, a leaf out of the preview pods uh, book and just look at a couple of other things before we get into the game. I'm going to start with a clip from Mark from Miami, another. Uh, very welcome, American listener. Sam, would you do the honors, please? Hey, what up, guys? Uh, Mark from Miami here. Um, we've known for a while that Harris and Blitzer want to sell. Uh, I just saw a report that the club has been valued at about 200 pounds, and Steve Parrish is willing to dilute his shares for a new owner to come in uh, if they want to own a big percentage of the club. Um, has that been confirmed as true? And if so, uh, is that maybe why we haven't made a big signing with the AWB money and why we haven't gone after a striker or a right or a left back for that matter? Uh, do you think maybe Parrish is waiting for somebody else to come in, buy the team, make it more appealing and let them make their own signings? Uh, if that's the case, uh, we know the sale of teams can be pretty lengthy at times. Uh, does that mean that maybe we're looking at a while without taking care of those positions? Thank you. Uh, I'll start off. Um, first, uh, Mark, thanks for the 
cool we appreciate it um you mentioned 200 pounds even for palace that's cheap but anyway <laughs> 200 million, just joking um but um for what i heard was i believe the rumors are true um over here you know again harrison bliss are from uh, this part of town I'm, I'm in new york they're from new jersey area so it's kind of close so from what i'm hearing that is a true rumor i don't know how far along things are i know that there is there has been some things things talked about as far as the money um i did hear that the one bazaka money was going to be spent i mean i think dougie did an interview and talked about looking at right backs i think we just didn't want to rush out and uh get someone and get uh as dougie said he didn't want to be you know quoted a, a huge price and 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 then not get the right players so that's kind of where we held off on it and i also think there was a there is an issue with our cash flow and keeping that money for now, I think was a was good for the club. So, um, <clears throat> just addressing those two things, I also think that at this point, um, I want to give uh, the uh, ownership and Dougie a little bit of credit. We have gone out on the cheap, and everyone was upset at some points during the uh, off season with us not getting a big money signing. But I would have to say that getting Cahill on a free uh was great business signing jordan iu after he was on loan last year was also great business and even though we need a right back and i totally agree we need a right back and probably a left back too i have to give credit to the fact that the players that we have signed and i just forgot also james mccarthy coming in have, have, have added value cameras has not had a chance to play yet but i think when he does he'll he'll contribute but i think in the money that we have spent or not spent has, has been a good thing and even though uh, you know, we've had the Wamba money and, and, and have it still. I think that not spending it all at once might have actually been a great um, ploy by our ownership. I know they take a lot of stick, but I do think we have to credit to Dougie for what he has done so far with that money. I think when you look at this article, I'm not surprised. Um, when the first Bloomberg uh, report came out that said that American owners, um, they want out, this was in March 2019. Yeah, this was March this year. I was expecting more reports to come out um, with um, potential owners coming into the club. But I think the interesting thing here is there's there's actually two things. One is that Steve Parrish, he wants to stay on, but he's willing to di uh, dilute his stake. And long term, it, it may suggest that he's realised that he cannot do much more in his power to bring this club to the next level. So that's that's an interesting take and maybe that's why um when you look at the financial figures it says that the stadium development uh, would bring in extra 24 million every year and also the club has projected value of 525 million after three years and 700 million after five years which shows why it's extremely important to stay in the premier league and i think when you look at the summer yes we needed a right back and maybe another left back uh it it like it has it didn't shock me massively that we didn't bring them in because the club clearly wants to say stay debt free. It's not like oh if we bought a right back would hundred percent be in debt, but the club are being careful with their finances and I feel like if this you know we're in South London and there's a great catchment area as well. If we expand the stadium even more and grow as a club um, by bringing new owners, then I'm up for it. But I want it to be done sooner rather than later with the right person because these um the American owners thing, I feel like they just do want out because this is not the only report. We saw it um from Thailand. I can't pronounce the guy's name, but there was someone else interested there. So not the only one, not the first one. I don't think it'll be the last one. But if it does happen, I want it to happen quickly so we move on as a club. I think Patrick and DR have, have mostly covered the points there, Mark. Um and cheers for getting in touch about it. What I would say is that um unlike certain other 
podcasts or people that claim they're in the know um we're not and, and when it comes to finances and, and business and, and nobody outside of the club that claims they are is um you know Paris has, has come on the, here before uh, and other pods and said you know there's only a very small amount of people even that work for the club that know the workings of, of takeovers and plans when it comes to that kind of thing so it's only conjecture and what the press have said um which you know in often in in other um stories is is turns out to be absolute rubbish so um there's no reason to think that what they write about palace's finances is any more accurate than what they write about conjecture for signings so um whilst it sounds reasonable um and things might change i i, I would imagine that we're not going to hear about something until um you know it's well underway um you hear about Newcastle being up for sale all the time. It's been sort of four and five years that it's been discussed now. I wouldn't want Palace to turn into one of those sides where the, the, the takeover is all that gets talked about. So hopefully um, it's something that won't be in the press too much until it's actually way down um, way down the avenue being sorted. Um, so let's change tack slightly. Um, and I'm going to talk about a stat that uh, somebody on Twitter uh, sent us today. Uh and this is a, a site called UREF. Uh, and they tagged us in something which I thought was really interesting. They put this morning, Crystal Palace won their fourth Premier League match in a row. <laughs> and they've used the words under Michael Oliver after their 2-1 victory. Now, Michael Oliver in Palace fans' heads tends to not have a great reputation. So um, let's talk about the fact, gents, that uh, Michael Oliver is, uh, is currently our good luck charm. Um, and I think that they were talking about if it was five in a row, it'd be some kind of record as well. Um, what does anyone think about that? Just just meaningless coincidence, or is uh, Michael Oliver secretly a Palace fan? I'd, I'd, if you look at the game yesterday, it's not like Michael Oliver helped us out a lot. I mean, yeah, he made the right calls, but it's not like he favoured us in a lot of calls. I feel like he officiated the game well, and I wouldn't look too much into it. I wouldn't say that, oh, we're, we're winning games when Michael Oliver's ref because he he's favouring us with his calls. That 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 didn't happen yesterday. I know we'll talk about it, but it was a penalty and the VAR decision later on was a correct one. So yeah, I don't think Michael Oliver helped us, but I think both sides got similar treatment from him. So I just I don't see any point in it really. Well, if you'd have listened, I mean and I only got to hear this because I didn't go to the bloody game. Um but I got to hear um a silver linings, I got to hear Mark Noble after the game. Um we're going to talk about sour West Ham fans a little bit later, uh, but he was a, a sour West Ham player, um, and he, he he said that they were they were done in the game by uh, a, a penalty decision that shouldn't have been, uh, and then a VAR decision that shouldn't have been, um, both of which just seems like a contradiction in terms, being as you know the technology proved that they were absolutely the right decision. Um, so I, th I think it's true in a situation where you've got VAR making decisions, it's sort of limited how much the referee can can influence um, for victories. But you know, interesting stat. Um, maybe it will make us think twice about slagging off Michael Oliver quite as heavily as we usually do. Um, <coughs> as I put in the tweet when I retweeted it earlier, I've always considered him to be a little bit of a twat, and I will. I'll have a think about that and I think that maybe I'm just being mean to referees for no reason um, until he makes a terrible decision next time we, we have a game with him officiating. Uh, so let's get into the game. 
Um, and let's talk about something that was uh, a real topic of discussion before the game in the week. Um, you know, pundits, people like Roddy, Robbie Savage talking about it in his column for Sky Sports. Um, how Palace were going to deal with the fact that there was no Luca in the lineup. So, Sam, if you could queue up a clip from Darren, that would be much appreciated. Afternoon, gents. Darren here. Just seen the team come out and um, not too dissimilar to what I thought it could, but it would be. Um, it's nice to see Gary get the uh, get the armband. Hopefully, we can um, we can build on last week. A little bit more positive, to be fair, and uh, well, hopefully the positivity pays off a little bit. And uh, let's see what the boys can deliver for us. Got about an hour before kickoff. Um, let's, uh, let's hope we don't conspire to balls things up massively and we have a decent day and a good result. Now, Owen, he was a wise man. He decided that he'd send us a uh, WhatsApp message, uh, as many of you have done. Um, and if you if you haven't done that so far, you can if you use WhatsApp and everyone, even my mum does these days, um, which is harrowing, uh, absolutely harrowing. Uh, when I got my first uh, WhatsApp message from my mum, I don't, I, yeah, that's that's one of those days you ne you never forget in your life. Um, you realise that your parents are capable of actually using the kind of technology that you thought would uh, keep you away from them. But yeah, you can uh, you can message us on O two O three. Five seven five one two six six. As many people have done, we're getting more and more. Um, even to the point where we've started doing uh, a Your View podcast. Uh, if you're if you're interested in um, listeners and fans' comments, um, Mikey, our other producer, um, decided that it was a good idea to put them together. Uh, they come out on Tuesdays. Um, I think usually the evening about seven o'clock. So if you're interested in those, um, I believe that that one will be in your inbox again this Tuesday. Um, if you're not into WhatsApp, um, you can always email us, hi at Back of the Nest, or you can hit us up on all the socials, um, and we will be reading out plenty of socials throughout this pod. Um, one other thing, uh, if you want to leave us a nice review on iTunes or wherever you find review options, that would be much appreciated. It helps raise the profile of the pods. Um, we have no budget to do that kind of thing, so it's really appreciated. And even if you just tell a friend verbally, old school, it means so much. Um, but yeah, Darren's done that. Uh, he's, le he's left messages for, good lad. Um, let's discuss what he had to say, shall we, gents? Yeah, okay. So, look, when we look at the lineup. The when I first heard that Luca's got five yellow cards, the first thing that came into my head after the Norwich win was that yes, McCarthy's coming in and that was the case. And I feel like it was the right call from Roy even before the game, because if you bring in someone like Camaras or Max Meyer in, yes, they are more creative players. They might offer more going forward, but you mess up the balance of the team, the balance that's worked so well in these last couple of games. And that's why I give credit to Roy for bringing in McCarthy. And you can see it during the game where it did work out well. Um, Towards the end, you could see that McCarthy was a bit tired, but I thought he had a very good performance. And he kept, um, I don't think he'd done exactly what Luca would do, but it was the most similar type of player to Luca that was available. So, right, cool. And another thing was that Andros, he scored last week against um, Norwich, and there was also a question where whether he should start or not. But I think it worked out well once again. Andros coming off the bench, I'm liking what he's offering. Uh, he 
has spoke about it, that he needs to do more. And once again, he came on and made an impact. You can see it with the second goal, um, with uh, Ayu's goal, where that cross into the box, brilliant uh, cross into the box. And I feel like Roy, he's got it right um, over the last couple of games with his decisions, especially with the lineup and credit when credit's due. Um, before the match, I I wasn't happy with the lineup. I'm going to be totally honest. Um, I find Roy to be very predictable. Um, I knew he would start McCarthy for Luca because, as the I just said, it's very much a like for like makes sense. I would have liked him to be a little bit more creative and put Townsend back in the lineup. But I will give him credit. Um, it worked out perfectly. See, as McCarthy played really well um, in doing the job he was asked to do, again, very similar to Luca, how he worked with both McCarthy, he's played with a lot of times in the past with Wigan and with Kiate. Uh, Kiate and McCarthy did a great job of shielding back four. Um, uh, where McCarthy got a little bit further forward, as was shown by that shot he had on goal. Um, so, you know, fair play. And what, I, what I'll say is, and we'll get to this later on, I hopefully I'll get into it later on, is that Roy has a way of playing that certain players are going to enjoy and fit into. The way IU plays is perfect for Roy's system. The way McCarthy and McCarthy play are perfect for his uh, system. And again, and Jeffrey Schlapp also. So again, although I'm critical of Roy, um, sometimes badly, sometimes not. Obviously, i got to give him credit because he got it, certainly got it right yesterday and began it right for a lot more of the season than I thought. Definitely credit to Roy for yesterday. Uh, I think that's universal. Chris, I want to get your opinion on mm-hmm. a couple of things. Uh, first of all, my experience of West Ham away uh, since they've moved stadium is it's a very boozy one. Um, starting Canary Wolf, I mean it's it's always a boozy one <laughs> for you, in fairness, but um, it's a it's a very boozy one. I I I know that um, Terence and Heskiff of the preview pods definitely had a few uh, before the game to the point where Heskiff WhatsApped us all to say that um, Terence had thrown half a pint of his. Uh, his wanky IPA all over him before the game. And this was, yeah, this was before the game, not after. So um, I don't know how many limbs were thrown um, when I scored the second uh, by a very, very drunk Terence. But um, yeah, so what was the reaction from the um, slightly inebriated people um, before the game uh, in the pub and in the stadium? And then do you want to go ahead and answer um, a, a tweet from Max Power? Uh, I don't know if that's the guy from The Simpsons or the Sunderland player. Um, but he said simply, do we look better in midfield without Luca? I will answer that, but I'll, I'll start by uh, giving the story of my drinking for the day. Um, so, so Please you, do. if you're not a Croydoner, apologies for this, but at the same time, it's worth just saying that there's a Banksy uh, that's been installed at the end of Surrey Street in Croydon. Um, so I took the opportunity to go down and see that, uh, which was fun. Uh, Saturday morning, um, and then I went down to the art and craft bar. That's that's whiskey, isn't it? I mean, didn't they just flog one of his paintings for like nine million quid or something? Just stick one <laughs> in Surrey Street. It's it's in it's behind a shop window, and it's a satire on capitalism. So it's okay. worth seeing. Okay. Um, and I tell you what, the area is bustling at the moment. There's actually queues to look at it. So that's really cool. Um, and that meant that I then went on to, initially I went on to the uh, the Market Tavern, um, but my mate Fireman Ian, now former Fireman Ian, because he's retired, um, had given up on the booze there because he said it's tasted like dishwater. So we moved on 
to Art and Craft Bar, which was superb. Had a number of decent real ales there, including with a nice West Ham fan, a rare West Ham fan who was a nice guy to us on the day, um, called Dave. And we, we had a few beers there, then headed onto the ground. Now, let, let's talk about the reaction uh, during the game. I mean, I was not with the ultras um, at this game. I was uh, in the lower tier behind the goal um, on the right-hand side of the um, fan base. So I was very, very close to a large group of home fans, including some who were really giving it some, especially when we went 1-0 down. Um, so there was, there was one bloke who definitely was kind of rubbing his eyes like like crying and pointing downwards, um, you know, because clearly we're going down, you know, league table. He hasn't obviously hasn't had a look at, look at lately. Um, so we had great fun. Um, after the penalty had gone in and then after the winner. Um, I mean, after the penalty had gone in, he was trying to jump through the police lines to have a fight with us. And after the winner went in, he wasn't there. <laughs> I can't work out what happened, but for some reason he wasn't there. Um, it was amazing. But the other thing to mention about booze is at half time, uh, they were not selling beer. Um, apparently there are only two clubs at West Ham that they don't sell beer to, and that's Palace and Chelsea. And yeah, uh, there were a lot of people singing, we want beer, we want beer. Um, but we didn't get it until after. But then we got the point, so we're all happy. I mean, wow. Uh, I, I remember standing quite near the West Ham fans last season, and, and there's definitely some wankers. In fact, all, all of this discussion, everything everyone's saying is leading us towards our discussion point in a bit uh, about their fans. Um, but yeah, live. How, how did it look? Um, it's hard to it's hard to tell from the TV. How did it look without Luca? And how did it look with the with the three that we had to play in the midfield? Solid. Um, exactly what you would expect. I mean, this is, this is one of the reasons why I didn't jump in earlier was because you know Dr and Patrick kind of covered the point, which is that you know it was utterly utterly predictable that um, Roy was gonna bring in McCarthy. Um, and he did a job. He did a solid job. I think equally, I think it's completely predictable that Luca will be back. Yeah, once he's not suspended. So, um, but at the same time, whether one of the other midfield players gets dropped, you know, who knows? I mean, I, I think that the key point is that Roy knows how he wants players to play, and they've all had a chance to bed in, get to know each other. A number of them have obviously already been there a long time and worked that out. Can't see Schluppy getting dropped, um, but he's often been the one to give way out of the ones we've got. Cleate is often given way as well. So who knows? But I can't see Townsend back in the starting 11 for now, which is a shame for me because I still really like him and I think he's been brilliant as an impact player. Um, it looked good in the stadium. Um, we'll talk about the goal later, but yeah, it, it it looked good. It looked like it was working for me. I think when we talk about Luca, I find that, yes, he hasn't performed up to the standards, I understand that. But let's put let's bring some context into this. Um I saw the stats. So before today's game, Luca hasn't missed a single minute of Premier League football for sixty-five games. That's nearly two whole seasons. Wow, that's a stat and a half. Sixty-five games. Yep, a single minute. And then look at last season. What happened towards the end of the season with Andros and Maka? Both look absolutely tired from one season. I feel like we do slate Luca a lot. But maybe we need to not drop Luca, but better player play management. And it's not only Luca. I feel like it's very, yes, he hasn't performed well, but 
yeah, we did look a bit better. We need to manage him as well. I don't think we've managed him up to the standards as well because that is a lot of Premier League football without having rest. And he also had problems with Serbia as, as well. So we have to look after him. He's our captain. On his day, he's a very good player. But it also doesn't surprise me hugely why he hasn't played up to the standards after seeing that stat because at the end of the day, he's still human. Great step, by the way, Dior. Um, regarding Luca being dropped, um, I actually was one of the people who advocated that. And it's, it's because I just think, as Dior just said, he's played a lot, a lot in the last two years. Um, I think his uh, set plays have been lacking. Yesterday, if he, uh, PVA was on set plays and did a tremendous job. Both goals were part, uh, PVA was part of it, you know, setting them up, the, you know, the, the free kick that led to the handball and then the free kick that, we was recycled with talent and the cross for the for the goal. So PVA has been very good on set plays. And I think we put we rely on uh Luca a lot for that. And I think we can give him a bit of a, a rest on that. As far as captaincy, I think that's weighed on him a lot too. I think in the beginning he did a really good job. I think as time has gone on, I think he's lost a little bit of his uh leadership from that standpoint. And I think it, it shows in his play. I think maybe he's taking a little bit too much responsibility as the captain. But again, uh he he's been a very key player for us. I'm not advocating dropping dropping him. I just think he may be giving him a rest every once in a while, like uh DLC sixty eight games or whatever that was that was. There's a lot of games to play in a row for any player. People talk about not people players not being uh dropped or undroppable. No one is. And as you saw yesterday, McCarthy came in, he was not Luca, but other players stepped up in the roles. Cahill leadership captain, McCarthy on the field, uh PV on set play. So at least we know that if he doesn't play, we have some we have others that can step up, and that's important, I think. I've got to say, Dio, speak for yourself when you say we've been slagging off Luca. He's still my man crush, and he, he always will be. Um, let's let's talk a, a little bit about Jimmy Mack, um, and let's bring in a clip from Rob, um, who discussed that very Scotsman. Hey, back in the next, Rob from XRD Guys podcast again. Absolutely buzzing after the uh, the West Ham win. Fantastic. Also delighted to see Jeffrey Schlupp get another 90 minutes of football into him. I'm incredible. But anyway, I'm actually here to eat a fair bit of humble pie. I have to I have to take my slice. Um, I wondered what James MacArthur was offering to the team, and my lord, he was absolutely superb yesterday. I thought he was up there with the best players on the park. Did that Luca roll absolutely perfectly, so we didn't miss Luca at all. So this is me saying. I was wrong about Jimmy Mack. I love him. I love him. Always will have, always will. But I thought it was waning. He certainly isn't. He was absolutely superb. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. That ended very abruptly. So, uh, yes, thank you, Rob. Um, I think that leads us nicely into um, 
I don't know how many of you uh, got to listen to the preview pod. Uh, it's it's always good, and it was it was great for this game. Um, Heskiff uh, seemed a little bit upset that we'd uh, slagged him off last week. Uh, particularly, he said I, I'd slagged him off, or Terence accused me of having slagged him off uh, after he said that he was less than infused about having three defensive midfielders um, for the last couple of games. I um, I actually am a, I'm a big fan of that. Um, if I play Championship Manager, I make sure I play like a, a four a five four one or a five three one one. Um, negativity definitely. The Tony Poulis one nil win is is my ideal kind of win, um, and a lot of people disagree with that. But um, yeah, I, I wasn't either surprised, like like Chris said, um, or unhappy with with the starting eleven. Uh, other than I'm still a little bit unconvinced by James McCarthy. Um, and possibly still am after that game. Um, but what I did realise, and it's been bothering me since he came to the club, is who he reminds me of. And it's it's actually, um, I had a wee for about three weeks before I realised how boring they are. Um, and you had the little wee bowling game. It was the little it was the little guys with the, the round heads in Wii, um, uh, Nintendo Wii. And that's exactly what he looks like. Um, so that, to me, is James McCarthy. Um, but I had, yeah, I had a listen to him after... After the game, uh, he came on Palace TV, uh, talked about the game. First of all, I didn't realise he had exactly the same accent as James MacArthur. Um, I just assumed he had an Irish accent, but no, he's from Glasgow. Um, secondly, he, he seems like um, a very humble man, uh, you know, just happy to be playing some minutes, um, which, which is nice. Um, and I think he, he did he did play the role that uh, Roy wanted him to play. Um, I just, I found when Roy said... Um, after the game that he thought we should be ahead at half-time. I, I couldn't agree with him there. Um, I thought we were lacking a little bit of creativity. Um, and I felt like there wasn't enough um, of a connection between um, the midfield three um, and Wilf and I. Um, and you saw Wilf sort of hesitating to make quick runs because there there wasn't there wasn't the kind of backup from from the midfield that he usually would expect. Um, so I, I know MacArthur run himself ragged, but I, I do wonder a little bit whether uh, McCarthy doesn't quite fit the role entirely of, um, you know, do, doing doing the kind of things that Hodgson wants um, in the defensive end of the pitch, but also getting forward. Um, I'm not sure he's the creative spark that we need um, and in certain situations I'm sure he'd be great but I just wonder if we were a little bit too negative or whether in fact Kuwate did the job himself I don't know what you think yeah, um, the interesting thing is I don't really see us although I don't love Roy's tactics I don't really see us playing three defensive midfielders in the classic sense and I'll tell you what I mean when, you, when you're talking about Kuyate, Luca, and MacArthur Yes, Kiate and Luca are definitely defensive midfielders, but MacArthur really isn't. He's more of a box to box box to box midfielder. So when people say we play three central defensive midfielders, he's not really supposed to do that. He does that in Roy's system. Let's go back to when um we had um uh Kabai and Kabai, MacArthur and Luca play together. In that in that role, uh Kabai, who was more of an attacking midfield when he was at Newcastle, became more of a defensive, and then we had Luca obviously. But then MacArthur again was the more box to box player with Kabai kind of backing him up. So in that case, again, we didn't really have three defensive midfielders. You go to yesterday and you've got Kuyate, McCarthy, and MacArthur. Now when MacArthur and McCarthy, so I keep saying that, uh play together at Wigan, 
Um, MacArthur was definitely the more attacking of the two, and that's kind of what helped them to win that their FA Cup. Uh, so MacArthur historically really hasn't been defensive. It's just because the way that Roy played with the three central players all playing in a, a little bit of a triangle and we're not using them as for any kind of width, they've morphed into that. But that's not really how he plays. So like yesterday, you kind of saw McCarthy get a little bit more further forward and attack more. And, you know, Kiyate and uh, Mac are kind of switching off on the Luka role. So it's interesting people talk about defensive midfielders, but I don't really think uh, that's true of those players that we played there. It's just that the way that Roy plays, they all seem very defensive. And if you put a Meyer in there or Camarasa, then you you totally change it because you automatically think they're going to be more attacking. Uh, but I really don't think that in, in it's just because of, again, I think the way Roy says something just seems that they're defensive, but they're really not supposed to be that way. It just works better for Roy. Yeah, I, I, that's a really good point. Uh, we'll take it back to uh, to what the preview pod boys said. Um, I, I don't think any of us are anti-defensive uh, midfielders. Um, it's 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 not the worst thing. Um, you're always going to get critics when you play more defensively than people want, but it's getting results. And and that's what we come back to with uh, with Roy this season so far. He's got the results. And a lot of that is to do uh, with a certain goalkeeper. Um, let's start with some comments we've had from Twitter. Uh, Stephen Sheffield. Vincente, the man who makes saves that Hennessy couldn't, unfortunately. And Neil Koska just says, the great Vincente. So, let's talk a little bit particularly about his first half heroics I mean uh, Mark Noble said that um, the saves that he made um, he didn't even know about which I think is very harsh um, you know there might have been one that was perhaps lucky to, uh, to for that it hit him before um, he knew it was going to hit him but at the same time he was in the right place um, he didn't let it go through his legs or anything like that so um, I think that's very harsh from Noble and I think it comes from him just being bitter after the game I think I mean you look at his first half performance Without him, the game would have been over in the first half, maybe. I've, honestly, uh, you look at uh, those two, three chances that they had from our silly mistakes. It was not like West Ham cut us up open. It was just defenders just sleeping. And I have to, you know, you have to look at the chances and he'd saved us. If it wasn't for Gaeta, we wouldn't be in the game. And I'm, I'm, me personally, I feel like, I'm more comfortable with him in goal than Wayne Hennessy. Uh, even though when Wayne, Wayne Hennessy did play good, I gave him credit, which lots of people criticised me for. And I feel like the confidence, I'm not the only one that's confident. I feel like the confidence has gone to the back line as well. They definitely seem more confident. And it's the reason why we've only conceded eight goals so far this season. I've I've got to get involved in this as far as uh, just lauding Guaita. So I'm going to start with a couple of interesting stats and I want to talk about him as a goalkeeper in general. So he's had 10 clean sheets for Palace in 30 matches, three of those this year. Only Pickford and Edison have had kept more clean sheets since since March. So he's talking about top, top goalkeeping. So let's go back again. I'm a long-time Palace fan. I've been a fan of Palace since a gentleman named John Jackson was in goal. So only the old people that listen to this probably even know who he is. And I've always been a firm believer that a really good goalkeeper makes everyone in front of the team better. And I think that um, our back four, and it's been a chop and change back four for the entire season, has been so much better because of the confidence they have in Guaita. Dior just said the save he made on Haller yesterday was a brilliant save. Uh, he probably didn't see his all reactions. And it's just the kind of thing that, you know, you just need a goalkeeper to make. And I think everything about him is fantastic. Um, 
He reminds me a lot of Nigel Martin. We bought Nigel Martin off that 9-0 loss to Liverpool and it changed our entire season that year, got us to the, the FA Cup. Um, so it, it's, to me, a goalkeeper like Guaita is, is so underrated. And I just I really think that, you know, a lot of people have picked up on how good he is. And there are times in the past when we've had keepers in the past that just haven't done that kind of a job. I'm not going to start slagging off Hennessy. GR's right. I think Hennessy took a lot of un, un, unnecessary uh, flack, but there were times when he would give up some really silly goals. And, I'm with him 100%. I can watch a Palace game now in total confidence. And there were times in the past I would honestly would not watch a Palace game. I would refuse to watch it I was because I was either going to be either upset or just nervous at watching our, our goalkeeper. And I think White has really done something that we've needed in the past. He's winning us points. And that's what we need as a goalkeeper. That's a really good point. I was just about to say um, two things have helped my heart this season. One is just giving up vaping. And the other one is I'm not worried about... Uh, defensive or, or keeping mistakes um the the wolves equalizer shot expecting them to score um Villa, i was i was happy um you know I'm, I'm not worried about us um conceding late on mainly because we have a really really solid goalkeeper and i it's been a while since it's felt like that um and it's definitely good for the good for the the health good for the heart um chris talk us through um how you think the defence was uh, the weekend. So we had Kelly keeping his place um, and it did look, again, that was one of the few advantages I've seen on the TV. Um, it did look like Tompkins was genuinely happy for the side. Um, that's, there's no reason he wouldn't be. Um, but, you know, he's been kept out of the side um, when last season he was probably the first uh, player on a team sheet. So talk us through the back four. Um their strengths and if there was any weaknesses because uh, there wasn't that many yeah you've, you've kind of made the point there there, there weren't that many um, obviously that there were moments where West Ham managed to get through and have shots but ultimately Greater was absolutely equal to those you know and pulled out some absolutely top draw saves in terms of the back four in front of him um you know, we didn't have the issue with wobbles on the left that we have done in previous weeks. I, I would you know, imagine that that can in part be uh, credited to Cahill um, calling out and you know giving guidance on that. Um, Joel Ward didn't really put a foot wrong for me. And, you know, Kelly and Cahill look solid as a unit. Yeah, Kelly has a mistake in him. We know that, but he also gives his absolute all for the team. And yeah, there, there were a number of moments where we had cause to, you know, sing his name. Yesterday, it was it was really good, and it's it's one of those things where we were talking last week, I think, about you know whether whether and how Sacco gets back into the team. I mean, I think as Hambo said then, you know, the answer is obviously yes, he does. But at the same time, it's going to be very hard to justify dropping Kelly when he is performing in the way that he is, which has been really solid. You know, and, and obviously there's an element of cover back from midfield that has also been crucial in terms of those you know, players digging back and you know, tackling back and making those key interventions. It's, it's just, I mean, it was a positive performance yesterday. There were moments... There were definitely moments where they could and should have scored, but somehow Greater pulled out the saves. And yeah, it was just one of those classic team performances for me. I, if I, I'm going to play devil's advocate, um, agree with all of your analysis, gentlemen. 
Um, and this is only from watching it on TV because uh, I'm not sure I would have thought the same if I was standing the ground. Um, if we hadn't have had that lucky or that bit of luck with Declan Rice having a moment of madness and then incidentally claiming that he didn't, um, there was a rumour, I'll have to find who, who brought it to our attention, but someone tweeted to us um, saying that Declan Rice had actually spat on Jordan Ayew um, in anger after 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 the goal. Um, he had he had a poor game. You could see he was arguing with his teammates, saying, "Oh, you know, I only stuck my arm up to, you know, just to jump." And then one of his teammates was like, "Yeah, but you stuck your arm up too high." Um, but yes, um, yes. So sorry, uh, Rob Lennon. Thank you for bringing that to our attention. Um, Declan Rice spitting on IU um, said it is absolutely ignored by everyone, including the commentators. Um, so thanks for bringing that to our attention. Uh, but yeah, if he hadn't have had that moment of madness and we had lost 1-0, I think we'd be discussing the fact that PVA was was slightly out of position um, for for the goal. Um, he didn't cover his man as he should have done. Um, but as DR said in the past, we, we're used to that. So I, I, I'm not sure um, it's offering anything anything new to uh, to what we've discussed before. Um, quick, quick last comment on that, gents, before we move on. Yeah, quickly. Um, also on that goal, um, when Haller makes the run for edge of the box, both uh, Cahill first and Kelly pass him off to no one, which is why he's able to score that goal. So again, you're absolutely right, Mike. Um, had we looked back at it as a one nil loss, we would have definitely been uh, upset at fact at the fact that our defense, it's played well, made a terrible lapse on that goal, and it could have cost us. And the fact that uh, it didn't, when we were analyzing their goal, but that goal was preventable from the cross on uh PVA side to the, the run by Haller where both central defenders just lost it. Yeah, I I mean, I don't want to be repetitive, but I had to come in there. I, you can't look at PVA and blame PVA purely for that goal. Um, there were one, two, three, four, five, six, around, I think, seven plays in the box, in Palace's box against just one, two, against five West Ham plays. And you look at Haller, there was actually three defenders there. I mean, I thought PVA done... Yeah, he could have done a bit better, but he done all right in covering his man. But the Haller thing was more of the actual centre-backs just losing their player. And also, when I'm actually looking at the photo, because I screenshot when he scored, McCarthy, I think, is him. And he's just there and he's not picking up Haller. He's just there picking up no one, really. So I wouldn't put too much blame on PVA. Look, I've criticised PVA before, but I'm not going to accept it, Mike. I'm not accepting it this week that we blame him purely PVA for that goal. I agree. I, I I blame James McCarthy first and foremost. Um, very poor play uh, it, it, to lose the ball in that area, and um, the moment that he lost the ball and they made the break, it looked as threatening as anything that they they did in the game. So, yeah, can't can't disagree with that. Um, let's get on to some full time analysis, uh, and let's have Thomas from Virginia, please. Hey, back in the nest, Thomas from Virginia here. Wow, wow, what a match! Second half, we, uh, best I can say for us is we looked like we wanted to fold. We wanted to let another goal get by us. I, I can't say enough for VAR. I mean, wow, by the slightest of margins, getting that goal in. And Jordan Ayu just being Johnny on the spot with the shot. That was, that was great. I couldn't be happier. I know we're coming into a tough run of games now with Man City next and Arsenal and all the other teams who are in the top six. But hey, 
let's be real here. We know it's not long-lived, but we're in the top four right now. So let's enjoy it while it lasts. Up the palace. Unfortunately, uh, that was recorded before the time of this pod. Uh, we are no longer fourth. Uh, but the, the point was there. Uh, and I do like the quote, let's be real now. Um, so uh, three people I'd like to bring up and we'll discuss them all at once. Uh, Hambo in his absence. Um, and what's happened to Hambo this week is that he he was enjoying himself uh, after the West Ham game yesterday. Took himself to his local Audi. Uh, he bought 14 cans of Fenton's uh, gin and diet tonic. Uh, he consumed them by himself in Reading. Um, and he's currently sleeping that off. So um, we're handbow list this week. Um, but he, he did leave us a message about Wilf. Uh, and he said, watching the full game back, I thought Wilf was excellent at times and obviously occupied multiple players. Anderson had to track back a lot in particular. Um, yes, and I think it was another situation where Wilf... Le- meant that there was plenty of space for the other players. Um, I was actually watching it with my dad, who's not not a Palace fan, um, and he was kept bringing up the fact that Will seemed to be at walking pace rather than running down the pitch. But um, it seemed to me that it was because he was making sure that he occupied at least a couple of West Ham's players. Uh, we're talking about Andros coming on. Um, again, setting up a goal. Um, it's beginning to me to look like he is the kind of super sub that we're looking for. Um, you know, Hodgson's not going to change a winning side, especially not a double winning side. Um, so I can't see, even if Andros thought he was in the form of his life, which he, he knows he's not, can't see him getting into starting 11. But very happy him coming on um, and killing off some tired legs in the opposition. And then let's talk about the greatest of all time, uh, Jordan Ayew. A um, couple of things. Palace Ash uh, pointed out uh, from the end of the um, highlights on Palace TV, um, he's injured. Uh, he's got a nice pack on his knee. So uh, hopefully that's short-lived problem. Um, three goals this season already. So more than Benteke uh, scored since the start of last season and only one less than since the start of the 17-18 season. So, uh, I mean, maybe got a bad word to say about Jordan I have they really, let's be honest. Um those three, gonna. It's, this is going to be a good few minutes of positivity, isn't it, lads? Come on, give me some pure positivity. Yeah, I mean, let's go back to uh, Andros' um, comments there. I feel like, yeah, last week he scored a goal. This week he got the assist. Um, I mean, if you're Andros, wouldn't you knock on your manager's on and be like, look, I'm doing all I can and I think I should, I should start because... You look at his performances; they have they have improved. And in the start of the season, when he did get dropped, it was warranted as well. But now he does have a point. He has a case that he could say that look, I'm doing better now. But the thing is, I understand what you're saying, though, Mike. It's the fact that there's Jeffrey Schlupp in the equation here, and is Roy really going to drop Jeffrey Schlupp? I mean, Roy's got a decision to make over the next couple of weeks because if Andros gets involved with goals as he has done over the last few games and He's give when he has come on is at least eight out of ten because <laughs> he got another brilliant assist against West Ham. You have to you have to look at performances rather than the individuals that you like because I said it last week on the pod with Martin Kelly. When Sacco comes back, if Martin Kelly's still playing as he is, then you don't drop him for Sacco. That sends the wrong message, and I feel like there's a similar message here where yes, you do like Schlupp. We've seen it with your team selections, but if Andros is performing up to the standards. Over the next couple of weeks, then you might have to drop Jeffrey Schlupp for Andros Townsend. 
I'm I'm not a big uh, supporter of the of the feeling that you can't change a winning side, but I do understand what it in in what it is and that it happens. Um, as far as the lineup concerned, things have a way of working themselves out. Um, Mike, I didn't know about the in- potential injury to Ayu, but if that happens or someone gets injured during the break, he's going to change that winning lineup. He'll have no choice. I don't think there's any doubt that um, McCarthy will be dropped for Luca. You're going to put your captain back into the lineup because uh, otherwise, as, as uh, Diaki's mentioning, is that it just, just sends the wrong message. So there will be at least one change for the Man City game. Um like the way Andros is a super sub, but I'd like him to be in the lineup. I'm, I'm, I have no issue with Jeffrey Schlupp. I think Jeffrey Schlupp uh, is very underrated, but I do understand what people see when they say that you know, and Hambo has an issue with his work rate and his effort. Sometimes he doesn't like he's putting the effort to bust back to, to defend. I like the fact he's very versatile and that he drives us forward. I think on a team like Palace, when you have a player like Wilf really owning IU when he's holding the ball up, you need players to hold the ball up and drive it forward. And Schlupp does that. And again, he's just uh, Roy's player. But I want to give a quick mention to Wilf Zaha. Yesterday, he was brilliant. Um, he gave us an outlet at all times. He occupied various players. But what I'd like to point out is that his defensive work in the last few weeks has been outstanding. I think he's really, really helped Joe Ward become a better defender because he's helping on, on that right side. Um, I think Ayu's done a tremendous job, and I think we're defending so much better from the front. It's really taking a lot of pressure off both our midfield and our defenders. So um, I think uh, Wilf deserves a lot of credit for the improvement we've shown as a team in, in our wind and also in our defensive play. Looking forward and building on the points that both Patrick and DR have made. I think you know, we, we need to look forward to the City game and work out what it is we're trying to achieve here. City have demonstrated in recent games that they are vulnerable and we need to look at exactly why and how that is. Now, at least one of those games uh, was earlier today um, at the time of recording, which I haven't seen. So I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if others have had the chance to watch the game against Wolves and assess how it is that Wolves were able to um, beat City. But that's something that will be key to how we set up for these games. I mean, let's let's put that in perspective. If we were to beat City in that game, as far as I can see, mathematically, you know, depending on other results, we could go second, which is, yeah, hilarious and also brilliant. And we've got to look at, you know, what, how is it we're going to set up? It may well be that we go with the Roy thing. So obviously we, we bring Luca back. I absolutely support that. Um, but whether it is that Townsend comes back in or whether you're looking at playing those versatile players who you know, can, as Heskiff said previously, form a defensive three in midfield as need be, you know, against City, you have to do what you have to do. So let's let's see what that plan is and let's see what players are available. But if it if it means we have to be either pressing really high and giving them a game or defending really well, I don't know what the answer is. But you know, I, I trust Roy to make the right choice. But I'd be interested to see what others think. Well, before we um, before we get into discussing beating Man City uh, and uh, surefire Champions League place. Uh, Let's uh, let's have a listen to a clip from Ebo and then a clip uh, questioning Hambo from uh, one Rory. Uh, hi, it's Ebo. Um, yeah, so post-match, fantastic result, 2-1, fantastic. Just brilliant to get a win at that stadium. It's been a little while coming. 
And uh, yeah, it was good. I mean, it was great to have that winning goal. I mean, all that took an age to get it uh, corroborated by VAR. God, that was great. And I was in a pub that had loads of West Ham fans in it. And he's in the Charlton area, really. And it was just great to be one of about four people that walked out of there smiling. So, um, yeah, my man in the match, I think, was probably Gator. I think he kept us in it first half. Still a bit disappointed with the lack of effort from the midfield three, sort of when we do get the ball and attack, very little going forward. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was a good result. And, and you know, we've got, we've got an international break coming up this time. Uh, I think I'm right in saying that this time. Um, and then we've got quite a rough run of games coming up, which I'm hopeful we can I'll be happy if we got three points out of out of the next four or five games. Anyway, brilliant. Um, like I say, man, a match gator for me. Um, yeah, it would have just been nice to see uh, a little bit more effort going forward when we do get the ball from uh, McArthur or Coyote. But uh, yeah, got to be happy with that, haven't you? Come on, you Eagles. Oh my God, guys, seriously, you're still talking about Jeffrey Schlupp. Like, we criticise Roy for being too rigid and too well drilled, and I agree. Hambo, man for man, a different set of management, a different set of staff. You'd get someone else in there, I, I get it, but it's not a different man set of management, it's not a different gaffer in charge. And Jeffrey Schlupp actually offers a bit of versatility during the game so come on that means that Roy can be more flexible he, he's got he can tweak he can you know if we need to drop he can do more than one aspect of midfield or left wing or left back or even further up the pitch you know there's a reason why we've got him on the pitch is because he can mold in without necessarily changing position on paper so Roy there um fairly uh Fairly up for defending uh, Jeffrey Schlupp. Um, and I, I would say today, I don't think we've said a word against him. I mean, Hambo's not here. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that it's putting words into our mouth a little bit that we continually slag him off. Um, he, he might be a point of discussion, but we tend to reflect what people are talking about on Twitter. Um, and I will combat that. Uh, nothing that I necessarily say that we agree with, but... Um, from Warren Guest on Twitter. Uh, for you schlup lovers, he received the ball 33 times yesterday and gave it back to the person who passed it to him 16 times. 10 times he gave it to the defence. Four times it was part of a triangle and three times it went forward. He made just one tackle in the second half and lost it. Uh, I don't know how truthful any of that is, but um, so that, that, you know, that's both ends of the spectrum in terms of uh, Jeffrey Schlupp. Um I think he played, played pretty well, personally. I, I think everyone played their part yesterday. Uh, there's no way we would have won otherwise because, um, you know, let's, let's not take it away from West Ham. They are a very good side. Um, they've got some excellent players. Um, and I think that takes us on to um, the last topic that we need to discuss today, um, the entitlement of West Ham players. Um, and this, this sort of led on from the preview pod. Um, but let's start with a tweet that Daniel Schilling sent to us um, when we asked what people want to talk about. He said, why are West Ham fans such sour, miserable uh, And I mean, all week expectations were from pundits that they were going to win. Um, everything I read uh, had them winning by at least a goal. Um, 3-0, I heard on uh, Alan Brazil's uh, morning show on TalkSport. 
uh, Terence and the and the crew on the preview pod were listening to uh, the uh, Stop Hammer Time pod. They were talking about um, from the the posh guys, and they said that uh, Palace were nothing to be scared of. Um, so, what is it about um, us and about West Ham fans that uh, make it seem like it's such a, a, a foregone conclusion? Um, it does seem to me that, despite the fact when I was growing up, West Ham were a yo-yo team. Um, they have a, a sense that they're a huge club. I mean, okay, they get sixty thousand people along. Uh, you know, my favourite band in the world is Iron Maiden, and 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 they're massive West Ham fans. And you know, um, I see them wearing West Ham shirts on stage and stuff. So, you know, in certain ways, West Ham infiltrate popular culture in a way that the Palace don't. But um, they might have a decent side, but they were only, I think, a point ahead of us before the before the game. So um, I don't know what it is about them that makes them think that. Uh, they just have this God-given right to uh, to get three points against us. I know we haven't had a great record against them recently, but um, you know, in the, if you take it back the last fifteen years, we've beaten them plenty of times, not least a certain Neil Shipley goal. Look, with West Ham, it's not only this game; it's been like this for years now. There's just clubs that just don't like us, and it's just simple as that. They don't like us because of incidents that's happened. They don't like us because we've got Wilfred Zaha, and they don't like him. Because when you look at West Ham fans and their comments after the game, most of them are like, oh, Wilfred Zaha's going to leave you anyways, and then you're going to get relegated. It's just no, it's a hatred towards Zaha, and that just connects to us. I don't think there's anything bigger than that. I mean, some of the comments after the game, I guess, was only from frustration because there were some very stupid comments out there, um, even from West Ham players themselves. But I think it's just simple as they don't like our players, so they don't like us. I think there's a lot of truth in that. Um, the, the, the extra interesting thing, um, and, and Cy Pizzi of this parish um, pointed out a tweet from a Tom Barkley, um, and he said, Roy Hodgson spent $6 million this summer, $9.5 million last summer, uh, now up to fourth, as I say, out of date because we're sixth. Uh, for what has been an amazing 2019 points-wise. The man is a master at managing Premier League sides on shoestring budgets and doesn't get enough credit. Um, so there is a sense, you know, we got a lot of slagging in the media about how we had a terrible transfer window in the summer. Um, and I think everyone, including ourselves, was thinking it, it probably wasn't quite as strong a squad as we had last season, which um, didn't seem like quite as strong a squad as the season before. So for us to be doing well... Um, you know, I think that there's teams like West Ham that are scratching their heads. Um, I think the difference with West Ham is that, you know, they've had a pretty decent start as well. There's other sides doing much worse than them. Um, Everton, for example, didn't get three points against us and now they're in the relegation zone. Um, so let's uh, let's have a quick discussion before we end um, about what it is Hodgson's done right recently. Um, certainly playing to the kind of game plan that he enjoys is certainly something we've discussed here. Um, you know, James McCarthy, the, the middle three, that kind of stuff. Um, Patrick mentioned earlier on, on WhatsApp, uh, does Dougie get enough credit for his recruitment on a, on a shoestring budget? Um, so what, is it just that we've played eight games and, and maybe we haven't played enough to see how this, this season transpires or are people's hopes up that, um, you know, we are really looking for, you know, those Europa places chasing this season and not worrying about relegation? Well, for me, um, 
it's been a, a little bit of the the type of teams we played so far. We've been lucky enough in these first eight matches to really come across maybe three or four decent sides. Tottenham probably being the best. Um, I think the next five games are going to really tell where we are. You know, you talk about City, Leicester, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea. Uh, th- those those matches for me are going to really show where we are. I think I think Roy again. I've not been his biggest uh, supporter, but I think you have to give him credit for what he's done. Um, the amount of points we have, the position is to me. Like I said, I've, I said this before we started the show. I think the Premier League is really down a lot this year. I think you take out Liverpool, who are going to run away with the, with the, with the uh, title. City are down because of injuries to their uh, centre-halves and just, I think their focus is going to be on Champions League this year. And United are just way off of it. Uh, Everton are way off of it. Uh, Tottenham are way off of it. Um, just so many sides, United. There's so many sides that you would expect to Arsenal, who won today. But again, I would say that they're not firing all cylinders. I think that we're, it's a it's a type of year where, like, it's not going to be a Leicester, obviously, when Leicester won the league when other teams were down. But... Palace can seriously stay at least in the top ten because of the fact that there's just just a disparity for me in, in in top to bottom as far as the league is very very top heavy and I'm talking about one one particular club in Liverpool so tremendous credit to him he's done a great job Hodgson with what he's done the players are bought into his system players like Wilful may not have started off great when we wanted to leave have really just bought right back into it he's done a great job like I said are you with Schlupp. Ward's stepped up, PVA again, not the greatest defender, but done a great job going forward and played well. Guaita has been great. You can go across the side. I mean, he's just done a good job. And I think this is the type of side that he wants. He doesn't want to have superstars necessarily. He wants to have a low budget side, an overachieving side. Uh, we've seen it in the past. He's done a great job at Fulham, et cetera. He went to a big club at Liverpool. It didn't work out. But and credit to the manager. He's done a great job. I just hope that, you know, we can keep it up because, again, of a Palace supporter who wouldn't want to be, you know, a top six side. Conversely, the only thing I would say is I'm not sure there's 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 too many whipping boys in the league this season. Um, I feel like everyone other than Liverpool and maybe Man City could beat each other on Agreed. their day. Um, so I wonder, um, yeah, if you have a, a, a bit of bad luck for a few games, things can change. And as you say, we've got we've got a tough old running coming up, but uh, we've already got the points on the board. Um, and I would hazard a guess that this is the best start since the. Uh, since the FA Cup final season, uh, although I might be wrong on that. Um, so let us just have a tongue-in-cheek tweet from Sam, uh, Edgar TP on Twitter. We've dropped from fourth to sixth in less than 24 hours. Is it time to sack Roy Hodgson? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Just joking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah good point, Sam. Good point, Sam. <laughs> let's, uh, let's have one more clip before we have a final thought from everyone from uh, the immutable Lord Zonka. Eagles, wow, we did a job. West Ham might feel like they got mugged. This is Lord Zonka. <laughs> so happy. Uh, Gary Cahill, what's a signing? How Arsenal took Louise over Gary Cahill. I'm sure if Arsenal had approached Cahill, he would have gone for Arsenal. You couldn't blame him. They are a better team, obviously they are. But we've got him, and he was great he's just we've got such a great i wish we had as many great strikers as we've got def, central defenders and au was a revelation he's not a natural great goal scorer but he worked his socks off today and he got a goal three goals so he's prolific by crystal palace standards i'm so happy for us so yeah we could we couldn't we couldn't go an episode without uh bringing you the thoughts of lord zonka uh what a uh, 
what a man he is. We should have a tweet, uh, a whole episode of just Lord Zonka chatting shit. I think that would be better than listening to us. Uh, any last thoughts, gentlemen, before we wrap it up? We've got hard. Uh, you mentioned it um, a couple of minutes ago. Our next six games is is very very difficult. We got City at home, Arsenal away, Leicester City at home, Chelsea away, Liverpool at home. I mean, the good thing is that we've started the season off well. Um, the win at West Ham was massive, and I feel like. Going into this game, there's not much pressure, but next game, I know the preview lot will discuss it more in detail, but City, I could, if we play to our strengths and, you know, we talked about their injuries, it could be a good start, but I have no real expectation going into these games. Hopefully we get a draw out some, get a couple of points, but good start to the season and let's hope we continue it. And let's not forget that none of those teams have one Jordan Pierre-IU in their starting eleven. Uh, the greatest of all time. <laughs> uh, right, well, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we will be back in two weeks' time after the international break. Uh, before that, you've got uh, you've got Love Sport continuing. Um, you've got the Your View pods, and obviously you've got the preview um, with Terence and the boys. Um, so still plenty from us. It's getting to the point where you're going to hear a pod from us every day, and you'll be sick to death of us. Uh, thank you very much for listening, as ever, and... Do enjoy your week of No Palace. It's the ninetieth minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.